afternoon, everybody. It is Thursday afternoon, and it is now time for Inside the Eye Live Prime Time. Hey, fetch. Hey, fetch. Quiet, quiet. Go ahead. She's she's asking a question. Don't be rude. Don't be rude. Hey, fetch. Did that woman really say you have garnets of steel and a mind like a freaking laser? Mary, you can't be asking questions like that. This is Inside the Guy Live Prime Time. Why not? Aren't we broadcasting from the Middle East? Well, yeah, but we might be seen as being politically incorrect. You know, the problem is everybody dumps people when there's a, like a sign of, of political incorrectness. Echan, you're always politically correct. Heck, thanks. Does, does that mean we can talk about dumping the Israelis tomorrow? Oh, I'm sure you will probably say quite a bit more than that. And now coming to you live from somewhere in the Middle East, this is Inside the Eye Live Primetime with your host, The Fetch. Thank you very much for that, Mary, from Riyadh, the capital of Saudi Arabia. This is indeed The Fetch, and you are indeed listening to Inside the Eye Live Prime Time. Today's date is Thursday, uh, May the 21st, 2020. <clears throat> and a good, <laughs> I'm trying to get myself settled here. <clears throat> Let's see, and a good uh, Thursday afternoon, early evening to all of you listening in the United States and Canada, and a good early afternoon to, to all of you. Actually, good afternoon. What is it? It's a good morning, actually. Yeah, good morning to all of you listening in European and Asian time zones, and of course, wherever you're listening out there on the World Wide Web, or our FM and micro FM broadcasting outlets, may all be well with you and yours. It's heating up quite a bit here in Riyadh as the daytime high hit. Again, the century mark going up to 103 degrees to get today under largely sunny skies. We're currently resting or sitting at 83 degrees at just after 1 o'clock in the morning local time here. And we'll be going down to a low of 78 degrees in the hour before sunrise. And then we'll turn around and essentially do it all over again tomorrow. Now, can you imagine we are almost halfway Actually, we're past the halfway point to summer. In fact, we have less than a month to go, basically. But if you are living in the ski resort areas of Montana, which sounds like a pretty good place to be right now, you're still getting some snow. That's right. Late spring snow is still falling there. In fact, all but three of the 12 main resorts in Montana are expecting snow over this coming week. And Big Sky is expected to see some snow starting today and going out through next Monday, while Moonlight Basin is expected to get hit with some 8 inches through this Sunday. So if you want to get away from the coronavirus madness, check and see what is happening in Montana and see if you can plan some Memorial Weekend getaway, because that's right, it's Memorial Weekend, everybody, in the United States coming up this weekend. I guess it's a pretty big holiday, obviously, in the United States, but nothing's happening. Usually it's a time to get out and get away. We'll see how people handle it this weekend. I know the, <clears throat> uh, what do you call it, the Indianapolis 500, which is probably the biggest sporting event in the history of, of history of everything out there. Certainly in racing, it's canceled. It's going to be moved out till August the 23rd, something like that. Uh, the Coca-Cola 500, I think it's going to actually be run. 
I think so, but without fans, something like that. But uh, nonetheless, it's going to be an interesting weekend simply because nothing's going to be happening save for what you can do. Hopefully you can get out there. If it's warm, go out to have a barbecue, spend time with family and friends, and tell the police and the local officials basically to shove it because that's really what's starting to happen out there across the uh, United States. Anyways, first let me get you to... Let me get you some updates from Riyadh. You know what? I need some water, guys. Hang tight a second. I need to pour some water here. My throat's kind of thrashed. You know, I had a difficult night. I didn't sleep last night. Not sure why that is, but I just didn't sleep. So I got up. I didn't sleep. I didn't get up. I basically slept, I think, 1 o'clock this afternoon after being up all night, basically for about 30 hours. Got some sleep till about 7, 7.15, 7.30, something like that. Tonight, I uh, grabbed some dinner, got some things coordinated with the studio as they've been changing over some servers, Skype accounts, and things like that. Got everything ready to go. Excuse me. <clears throat> and then sat down to prepare what we could for the show today. So, <clears throat> anyways, my throat feels thrashed. I think we'll get, we'll get through it. We'll get through it, guys, but it just feels thrashed. Anyways, on a positive note, um, here in Saudi Arabia, we are going to go into a 24-7 lockdown. That's the positive. And that is going to be, we believe, I have to check this, okay? We believe it's going to be from Sunday until Tuesday. So 24-7, that means nobody's supposed to leave their houses from Sunday to Tuesday. Now, that's on the positive side because it's basically the Eid holiday. And basically, everything is closed anyways during this holiday. It's basically kind of like a national holiday regardless. So everything is going to be closed. Stores usually don't open. It's kind of like Christmas in the old days, you know, when we actually respected our various holidays and people actually shut the door. Heck, I remember growing up in the 60s, early 70s, and I know that dates me a little bit, but we still respected Sundays. You know, Sundays were closed. Things were actually not open until 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. And in some cases, things actually didn't even open up on Sunday. So we still respected the holidays back then. That's obviously not the case today. And it's changing here also. You know, it's not like it used to be even three, four years ago. Things have opened up quite a bit. So with the holiday and uh, what they want is, I guess, not a lot of people going from house to house to house, which is usually what people do on this particular holiday, they're going to shut everything down 24-7. So it's no problem for me, uh, to be honest with you. But the good news is this. The Saudi Ministry of Health has basically been embarking on an effort to basically get all of their employees, which is spread out all over the world, returned back to Saudi. And that means Saudi doctors, Saudi officials, but it also includes a lot of the workers here. You have the nurses. They come in from India. They come in from the Philippines. They may come from somewhere else, for all I know, because we have a very diverse health sector here. There's just not enough Saudis, quite frankly. And I know a lot of young guys that are, you know, going into this field and do an admirable job. But nonetheless, there's still a lot of assistance from expatriate labor and professionals for that matter. So what they're doing is they're looking to repatriate everybody, not repatriate, but uh, really bring them back. 
And it was, look, they, they've had their employees like uh, today, this week, and not today, yesterday, I believe, a plane load of 248 Indian nurses landed in the southern mountain city of Abha. Abha is like 7,000 feet up in the air. It's, it's a beautiful area. I've never been there. I promised uh, maybe next year I will go there. But I've never been. Uh, so basically the Saudis, they chartered a plane, which isn't a big deal. we got a lot of planes here. Went to India, picked up the 248 nurses and health professionals, flew them in, got them processed. And, and here's the thing. I've been a part of the... Um, I don't know if you want to call it professional skills, but that's really what it is. Back in about 2011, Saudi Arabia embarked on a multi-billion dollar industry, not industry, but investment, in developing the pro- professional skills of Saudis. In other words, what was pre-2010 and what is today is like night and day. I came here in 2006, and it was one of the darkest places I had ever been. It was like very, very bizarre place to be for us Westerners. Now, as a Westerner, you can come and pretty well, for the most part, relax. You're not going to go to nightclubs. You're not going to go out clubbing. You're not going to go out drinking. You're not going to get to do that. But generally speaking, it's it's okay. But what was very interesting about bringing in these 248 nurses from India was the pictures coming from the actual airport. You saw all of them, all of them. Think about this in today's world. All of them were presented with a bouquet of flowers. The immigration officials, I'm talking about the uniformed border guards, were taking pictures, smiling. Guys, when I first came here in 2006, I was on a plane from Jordan, but I landed with basically four plane loads of 747s of people from Bangladesh and India. <clears throat> and if you can imagine, when you came here, you had to do go through a particular line. And Jawazat, which is their immigration officials, this is 2006, they would like process one or two people and go have some coffee. Process one or two people, sit back and chat and have some coffee. This is 2006. I'm in this line... And I'm like the only American inside of Saudi in this particular line that day. Now, mind you, I'm 5'11", almost 6 feet. 5'11 and a half, at least, before I shrunk a little bit. And I'm in with a bunch of Bangladeshis that are 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, so obviously, I stand out. You had people sitting there for four hours waiting in line. I was there for four hours waiting in line. The border guards had sticks. They started beating people. Literally, beating people. It was unbelievable. This was 2006. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I getting into? Well, in 2011, the investment in professional services came about to raise the quality standards of Saudis as a people. Now, those of us in the West, we have this idea of raising people up. We already have what we have. We can then, once you have, it's a Christian thing, I guess, you know. He who has much, you know, give freely type of thing. Now that doesn't mean you're stupid about it. They pay us to do this, guys. It's not like we're being stupid about this. They're paying us to do this. But what happens is that now, today, the quality 
is so, there's a long ways to go, but the quality is so much better. You had border guards, uniform border guards, smiling, taking pictures. It's like, what a change of literally just over a decade. See, you can make a positive change out there if you just want to make the effort and then invest in the effort and work hard. You had Jawazat official, they were professional. They got them all through. There was social distancing and all that. But the friendliness and courteousness, these are things you don't hear about. But it exists all the time. But it was kind of a cool story because here we are in an age where all of our borders are locked down. Let's be honest. Everything is locked down. I'm kind of stressed, guys. I'm not treated bad here. I'm treated very, 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 very good here because of my position, my nature, and everything else that goes with me. I'm treated exceptionally well here, okay? But still, you're stressed. You can't leave. You want to get to your family, which is for me in the Philippines. I've got businesses there. I've got that. They're starting to actually take off. Thank goodness I'd like to go home. I can't. I can't. I'm stuck. There's just no way to go. So yeah, you're getting a little bit stressed and it's it's like that for everybody out there. I'm just one person, this whole big thing. It's not bad for me, quite frankly, but still you get stressed. I think that's why I didn't sleep last night. I just like, man, this kind of sucks. I'd like to, normally at this time of year, I'm flying home. I'm sitting back with the cats, having a nice drink, having some bourbon and seven, uh, having some argila, watching or playing, singing a bit, maybe karaoke, going out, having a nice meal. All this is gone right now. And it's not just for me. It's for all of us. And why is it like that for all of us? Because we have a literal coup d'etat on a global scale. It's a coup d'etat on a global scale, all initiated by this, quote unquote, this health medical emergency, which shows that the healthy people in this world have a 99.5% success rate. Survival rate. How is surviving something 99.5% all of a sudden become an international health emergency? It doesn't make sense. Before I get into that, though, I want to go over to Michigan. You got the dam burst in Michigan. Quite an, quite a big story. Apparently, this dam, two dams, uh, they were cited 2018. The Federal, Ener- Federal Energy Regulatory Commission ordered this particular dam, the company was operating this dam, it's called the Edenville Dam, to essentially uh, shut down all the electrical generating equipment. It was a hydroelectric dam. The biggest concern from the regulatory commission at the time was the potential for this particular dam to fail if floodwaters rose too much. Now, FERC's report concluded that the dam's capacity for overflow was 50% of the maximum potential flooding. The National Weather Service warned that the river that broke through on Tuesday would crest at 38 feet, which is four feet higher than the record set in 1986. And when it all came down to it, the dam broke. So the licensee here has apparently been in repeatedly, according to news reports, failed to comply with schedules for filing plans, completing measures, etc. And now you've got a huge mess in Michigan. And I find it very funny because you had the Michigan governor, Governor Whitmer, who has essentially proven to be a communist tyrant, an infiltrator. Uh, uh, basically, she's not American. She's an enemy of the people. 
She's out there telling the American people, you can't leave your house. She's sending her police to go out and harass people sitting there in parks, sitting there playing with their children, even into people's homes if kids are playing in the front yard. This woman is an enemy of the people, and she should be dragged out of that governor house and dealt with accordingly. She should not be allowed to proceed very much longer in her position. But she had a very interesting thing to say. Yesterday, she said the state of Michigan is reviewing every line of legal recourse. And uh, I should re- let me repeat that. Whitmer said Wednesday that the state of Michigan is reviewing every line of recourse uh, that they have. And this incredible quoting her, this incredible damage requires that we hold people responsible. And it says the initial readout is that this was a known problem for a while, and that's why it's important that we do our due diligence and take action. Now, here's the thing. The exact same logic, the exact same mentality must be applied to her as a governor directly and to her health officials and to her district attorneys and her state attorneys. Because the incredible damage that Whitmer has caused to the economy, somebody has to be held responsible And that should be none other than Ms. Whitmer herself, her health professionals, her health experts, and her district attorneys, her state attorneys. Because the amount of damage that these people have caused to the people of Michigan is incalculable. It's incalculable. You really can't get to the price of what they have caused. These people need to be held to account. Now, obviously, the pictures coming out of Michigan are fairly tragic, you know, with families got their inflatable boats with some belongings treading through what looks to be a foot and a half of water, uh, leaving their homes behind. And it was very, very fascinating because you had Whitmer calling on the federal government to declare a national emergency and to dispatch funds, et cetera, et cetera. And last I heard, I haven't actually seen that Trump agreed. And you would think that he wouldn't, quite frankly, because we have a governor who has been taking, who took over this state, destroyed the economy, destroyed the lives of the people there, and she should be held to account and she should be forced to pay for this until we can get her out and then, and only then, should we bring funds in to help the people? Now, if the people, meaning that the United States, can help the people directly, uh, I would be all for that. I say, the, however, that not a single penny should go to the state of Michigan so long as they have a communist governor who is an anti-American enemy still residing in the state house making decisions until the state of Michigan can get rid of her The state of Michigan, in some ways, should be treated almost as if it is Iran. We should take full sanctions against that state, and we should help the people directly as best we can, because we certainly appreciate the people of Michigan, but we need them to get rid of this particular governor. Uh, She is an absolute nightmare and an enemy of the American people. Anyways, uh, Midland County, where this broke out, you know, it's under lockdown, hey, they had a only 80 infected victims, and she, this idiot, this complete buffoon of a governor, had the whole place locked down for 80 infected people and only 10 deaths. In what, three months now? Something like that? February, March, April, May? Almost four months. They've had 80 people, and this idiot, this idiot, and that's what she is. She is an idiot. 
she basically drove the Michigan economy into the gutter because of what? 80 people in one whole county? Really? So guys, it's a huge, huge problem that we have with our, uh, governors in America. And it's about time that the people understand this and take much more interest in what is happening inside of their local and state governments. All right. <clears throat> Want to move on to kind of a serious issue. And I've been doing some research a little bit on what's going on out there uh, in the health world. And what we're finding here is no matter how you look at it, the way that the governments have gone about um, imposing this draconian martial law coup d'etat over the United States is indeed without precedent in U.S. history. There is a, absolutely no precedent for a government to tell a healthy American citizen to stay in their homes, to shut up, to not complain, to not go outside, to submit to some type of testing, to submit to some type of contact tracing so that basically if you happen to be involved with somebody who might have been sick, they can now say you must be quarantined too because that's what this contact tracing is all about. There's no precedent for this. This is an enemy communist coup d'etat over the United States. All of the conspirators to this should eventually be arrested, tried, jailed, and if necessary, some have capital punishment and executed. This level of assault on the American people, which is what it is, and what it was, and what it will be in the future, simply cannot be tolerated ever again. If you allow yourselves to go through this again, then you are asking for a dystopian totalitarian nightmare to be brought upon you. You can call this a dry run. Perhaps it was. Perhaps it was them, meaning the deep state, going all in, all for the marbles here. And it just didn't quite work. We don't know, but we can assume, as these people have essentially infinitely deep pockets, that unless they are dealt with on a very personal level, they're going to be back. You can't allow these health professionals who have unilaterally made decisions that have destroyed the economies of their states and through it the collective economic well-being of the United States. And this goes true in Canada, guys. Whatever I say about the United States, we are still an international show. It still applies to you. Whether I, I can't keep up with the politics globally all the time, but whatever I say applies to the UK. It applies to Germany, to, to France, to Italy, to, to Canada, to Australia. You just have it in your own expression. At the end of the day, we all share a sim single expanded family type of thing, political structure, political expression. We all, for the most part, share in this idea of individualism, self-reliance, these types of ideals. So when we go back to the states, and it's going to be true in your countries equally, the health officials really are the key point here. They're the ones making the decisions. 
They're not being talked about that much. But they're the ones making the decisions. And who are these people? Seriously, who are these people? You've got some clown, Rachel, whatever her name is. I don't even know her last name. Rachel something or other. Some transgender Jew running your uh, health policy in Pennsylvania? Seriously? A transgender Jew? Now we start to go back through all of this. First, Ohio. You know, maybe I'll wait for this because we're going to go into a break and it looks like about two minutes. I'm going to leave off on the Ohio, the Ohio story. So anyways, let me just say good morning, everybody. Uh, good afternoon inside the iLive, intelligent media for the politically aware. Uh, you can join me in the chat room, inside the iLive.com. That's inside the iLive.com. Uh, it's kind of quiet today. It's not dead. Dead would be like five people. It was dead when I got there. But, um, you can join us there inside the iLive.com. Click on the live chat button. And for some reason, my page is not loading. That's not a great thing. Uh, but nonetheless, you can go check that out there. And what else? Uh, telephone lines, 1323-275-1314. That's 1323-275-1314. It is going to be Memorial Weekend, of course, in the United States. We've got the Eid holiday coming up here in the Middle East. So it's going to be a reasonably a quiet weekend, I think, especially for someone like me. Uh, I anticipate getting back into some semblance of work uh, after the holidays, somewhere around the 28th of May next week. I hope to be actually back doing something. So we will see how that all goes down. And uh, for whatever reason, guys, I'm not able to connect to my chat room. There it goes. It connected. There we go. Okay, guys. Um... Anyways, then let me know how the sound is going, guys, in the chat room. We should be fine. And just want to say, if you want to catch these shows live, not live, but afterwards, we do have now the castbox.fm. You can go to castbox.fm uh, on Android. For the Android, and I believe for Apple phones, it'll work on Apple also. I thought that was down. Um, Bruce, you should probably call back. In about uh, three minutes, we're going to go into a break real quick. So just call back, or you can hold on while we get through the commercials. I hold on if you want me to. Yeah, yeah. Call back after the commercials. Okay, everybody, welcome back. It's the Fetch inside the Eye Live Prime Time. It's Thursday, and uh, we're back. We think we got most of this stuff. Uh, debugged. We're not entirely sure about that, but it looks like we got most of this stuff debugged. Uh, join us in the chat room inside the iLive.com. That's inside the iLive.com. We'll go ahead and open up the phones now. 323-275-1314. That's 1323-275-1314. Uh, we believe we've got everything configured for the most part. I just want to say that what we've done here, they've removed not remove, but they have moved all of the various uh, server hardware for the studio. Not exactly sure. It's not my business, and it's don't, don't really need to know either. But nonetheless, it required us to do some reconfiguring, and I'm not one that associates that much. I do my own thing. I come and do the show. But about three hours before the show, I was kind of informed we needed to change uh, various issues here with the 
connection, and uh, it's not an issue. But what happened was we just didn't get the bumpers actually reconfigured. People didn't know that I like to have breaks. I don't know. Some people like to talk for hours. Me, I don't need to be doing that. Uh, but anyways, let me run out to the 2-1 area code. Bruce, hi. Welcome back to Inside the Prime Primetime. How are you doing, Fetch? You know, good. Now that things are starting to work, but I'm like uh, s- sweating like you know what from being so nervous, trying to fix things and get it running before the half break. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's good, though, being a, a troubleshooter, a problem solver. That's, that's kind of a hallmark of a... Of a higher intellect, you know, oh, trying to it's not fix things. It's not you know. that you're just doing a problem solver, man. You're trying to actually keep talking and keep it halfway entertaining, and uh, that's the that's the challenge, <laughs> man. Not the problem solving. That's the easy part. Yeah. It's it's talking through it all while you're doing like four different things. Anyways, thank you much for that. <laughs> Appreciate it. No problem. Hey, good good on you to mention the uh, the Indianapolis 500. I've been to two of those. Wow, and it's quite an experience. You know, and uh, there's a lot of history behind that that sure. that race and in that location. And uh, I recommend anybody who's in the area who has any kind of an interest in in automobiles or or motorsport go visit that museum. It is it is amazing. You know, I mean, they have cars going back way back from the very first one to win. You know. Wow, that would be so awesome, quite frankly. I would love it, you know. You go through the pictures, you know, through the 1960s into the early 70s, and they still had different chassis. You know what I mean? People were running different cars. They weren't all actually using the exact same car. Nowadays, they all look kind of uniform. But back then, you had, like, Roadster styles. And, you know, these guys were the ones that basically ended up putting the, the engines in the back because, you know, things would blow up and take off a guy's head, you know, something like that. It was very dangerous. So, yeah, uh, Colin Chapman was a, was a British, uh, race car team owner and, and engineer. He's the one who brought the uh, rear engine, uh, uh, Lotus to Indianapolis. And that gives an improved weight distribution and, and helps in the cornering. And, um, uh, Jim Clark won in that vehicle. And that's, uh, that's when the rear, rear engine evolution, uh, took place there in Indianapolis. Have you seen the pictures? Uh, I plan to go, you know. Yeah, I would love to go. I would love to go. Have you seen the pictures, the video of pit stops then and now? And you go something like back oh, yeah. to the 1920s. You know, changing a tire would take like an hour, an hour and a half. Changing a tire. And it's showing them doing it an hour and a half. And then it shows a Formula One pit stop, which is done in about 1.2 seconds, and then they're off. Imagine the yeah. technology back, and changes. Back, back in the 90s, they used to race into the into the pit stalls. I mean, almost at track speed, or over 100 miles an hour. It, but that was too dangerous, so they, they put a speed limit on it. Um, but the big thing about that event is not only the cars and the excitement of the race, but, but the crowd. The crowd can be over 250,000 people in one place. Mostly of European descent, you have a lot of uh, South Americans that go, and of course, you know, they have a mix of, uh, but but mostly, you know, to be around a lot of quote unquote white people that are behaving themselves, having fun with families, all in one place. No, 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 really. They used to have some wildness down in the uh, the snake pit, which was in the infield where the Harley Davidson guys, the uh, Jose Angels and stuff, would party all night. And but that's that's kind of been tamed down some. But I plan to go in August 
unless they have that, if they have that six feet rule and it's going to be like one fifth of the crowd, I'm not going to go because to me, the part of it is just being there with, with that, with that big crowd. You know what I'm getting yeah. at? <clears throat> you know, you got an interesting point there. You know, now I think it's upwards of 400,000. You know, when you can, you know, when you spread it out just beyond the venue, it's like 400,000 plus. Uh, watching in and around that place, and you're right. It's basically a white man's sport that celebrates white ingenuity, European ingenuity, uh, even the drink. You know, I'm sure that the racists out there, you know, drinking milk is proof positive this is a drink white racist milk. idea. But you know, it's a it is a pretty amazing event, quite frankly. Yeah, you know. Hey, uh, have you uh, been looking into having any new guests? Are you taking suggestions for for guests? We always take suggestions. Usually, they send them by email, or they will arrange the guests for me. You know, because I get busy sometimes. So, mm-hmm. we are going to have Monica Schaefer here today, uh, seven thirty. So she's going to come on, speak about interest of what's going up in Canada. So she's going to be on at seven thirty. But yeah, of course, guests are always welcome as long as. They are courteous, polite, and oh yes, yeah. most, most yeah. of them. Monica, that, that's a good one. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on for that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about Susan Lindauer? Have you ever spoken with her? Are you familiar you know, with, with her and her story? Yeah, I don't believe it. I don't. Believe okay. It. The reason uh, why how, here's here we how about my uh, professor Mark Dankoff? Uh, he would be okay. He would be okay. I don't know much about him, but well, Reverend, okay. I'm sorry, not that professor, but uh, yeah, I think Reverend he would Mark be okay. Dancoff. From what he, I from what I've heard of him, he's okay. potatoes guy. Yeah, I hear he's okay. I I think he would be fine. Susan Lindauer, no, because we would clash. Because I came here with basically uh-huh. spies inside of Saddam's house. Okay, to be to put it simply, I was with people that were basically unofficial spies inside of Saddam's house. That's how I came to the Middle East. And then she says, well, I was an asset for Iraq. I'm like, you, nobody even knows who you are. Who are you kidding, lady? I'm, I'm hanging out with all the Saddam people for four or five years in Jordan. Literally, the people that were right hand sitting with Saddam. And I did that for years and years. And, and it's not a big deal for me because it's who I am. But, you know, to sit there and listen to, uh, uh, you know, her talk about how she was this big asset. Oh, give us a break. Nobody knows who you are. Seriously, nobody knows who she is. She's no. Yeah, she does have some interesting, interesting firsthand accounts of nine eleven, though. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, but uh, I, we would clash if we got into anything close to Iraq. We would clash. I'd have another like Bjorkness on my hands. Right. I got it. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you go. Continue on. All right, man. Thanks and, so much. Uh, keep up the good work. All right. Thanks Bye-bye. so much. That's Bruce. Everybody down in uh, Texas. Yeah, we're always looking for good guests. Everybody, we're going to have Monica Schaefer on today. Uh, at the bottom of the second hour. That's going to be the bottom of the second hour. Anyways, it's listener-sponsored and supported radio. It does rely upon your donations to keep the network alive, up and running, and without those donations, uh, nothing happens. What they've done, they've been completing a lot of server switchovers here, so they have changed uh, Skype accounts and reconfigured the the background stuff, apparently. I, I, we're finding that out today. So we added the new Skype accounts just about two hours before the show, and I didn't make some uh, proper adjustments here. So hopefully I can get everything fixed here. Uh, but everything's working out okay. Uh, but just remember to keep the studio in mind because they are obviously, without them, we don't have a platform right now to work for. And it's going out to 314 area code. Hi, welcome to Inside the Allied Primetime. Hey, Fetch. 
Art in Gateway City. Art, how is it in St. Louis right now? Oh, it's it's good. Uh wanted to run something by you real quick. I was watching the national news just now. And Foxy came back on saying already talking about though there's gonna be another wave of this stuff, you know, coming through and I'm like, Oh God. And um, you know, uh the president's up in Michigan at board plant right now will uh yeah, he just said that there's no way we're shutting the country down again. You know, good for him. I hope he I hope he means it. Uh, me too. There is no reason with something yeah. we had a ninety nine point five percent or better success rate, you know, survival rate. And you're gonna tell us exactly. we can't work. No. Give us a break. We'll we'll get sick, you know, like we've I've been I've been so sick with the flu I've been literally delirious and out of it for three days. Woke up and it's like I didn't even know where I was. It took me twenty minutes to reorient. You got a pretty rough down there. You can't go back to your family and stuff. Yeah, and, uh, no, I can't. It's really kind of depressing a little bit because this is the end of my yeah. contract. It's the time you've saved up all your money. You want to go home. You want to enjoy your life a little bit. You know, you sacrificed for a year. You know, being away from family and all, you sacrificed, you saved, you want to go home, enjoy, and you just can't move. It's, everything is locked down. So, so it's kind of depressing. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to run that by you and let some more calls get to you. Uh, that's all I want, all I had right now. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks for the update. All right, buddy. Uh, Love the show. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Yeah. Can you imagine Fauci's out there promoting this idea of uh, we're going to have a second wave look? If you study epidemiology charts, none of us have to be an expert. We can still look at data. We can all have some horse sense and some common sense. What you have in the way of a coronavirus is this. You will have a fairly 3, 7, 10, 12, 15 week flat line where people are just starting to get sick. Then, as I guess, weather or whatever conditions persist, uh, enable, I guess, you will see these things spike up and they will go up and then they are going to peak typically after four to six weeks. That's about the normal schedule. I know with the Ebola virus, the peak peak lasted for about eight weeks, but it still followed the exact same pattern. The coronaviruses usually will peak over a period of two to four to six weeks, and then they go down almost as fast as they came up on the same trajectory. Then it's going to flatline again. You're still going to have people that have it. Then from time to time, not every year, you will see a second growth. You will see a second small spike, a small, a small spike, maybe one-fifth of the original spike. That's it. That's the normal epidemiological epidemiology charts go out and look study it yourself you don't have to listen to me go look i've i've looked at a lot of epidemiology charts hospital charts things of this nature they all follow the same pattern and what's really cynical about these sobs okay because that's what they are they're sobs that shut down our countries they waited they waited until that peak they waited till the peak because they knew they're not stupid. They're not like they're smart, but they're not stupid. They knew that if they hit you at the peak, then they say social distance, mitigate, mitigate, stay in your houses, break the curve, then that curve is going to go down. But it was going to go down anyways. 
That's the nature of these viruses. They waited till that point where it peaked, where no matter what happened, it was going to go down. There was never a need to shut down the countries. What there was a need to do was to isolate the populations who were at most risk. Florida apparently did a pretty good job. New York basically committed manslaughter and killed as many people as they could. Same as what happened in New Jersey. Same as what happened in Michigan. These people went out of their way to kill as many people as possible. Again, the key point here moving forward is the health officials need to be routed, everybody. This is not a joke. They need to be routed. Now, the ITIL Cat Report, it does not have a sponsor anymore. If anybody would like to sponsor the ITIL Cat Report, you may reach out to us at uh, the Fetch at Inside the Eye Live. Uh, again, the Fetch at Inside the Eye Live, it's a fun way to promote your idea because it's one of the most loved sections of this show, quite frankly. And the ITIL Cat Report this week is uh, our kitten. I told you a couple weeks ago, and you were really nice. You sent me some pictures and ideas of how to allow a cat with the hindquarters that are not working to like be hooked up to a cart and basically get around this way, you know, put some like wheels on the hinds and the hindquarters. Well, <clears throat> some other of you suggested, Fetch, maybe you should work with the kitten and exercise them and maybe the memory control will come back and the kitten's going to be okay. Well, that's what Emily has actually been doing. She did that without so much as my advice. I tried to tell her, but she really doesn't understand what I was saying. But anyway, she told me that she has been actually uh, exercising the hindquarters, trying to get the kitten to move. And she tells me that the kitten is now doing better than before. I watched before. I haven't seen since recently, but before the kitten literally would be dragging its hindquarters along and the legs would be moving like a frog, you know, like in a frog shape and you just felt bad for the thing. And it was always kind of sad sitting in a corner. So she's been working very, very hard to get that kitten to move a little bit better. And she says it's not good, but it's better. And so I told her, please keep working with him. Try to get his uh, hindquarters to work so the little guy can move. Might be a little girl for all I know. I really don't know. Uh, but nonetheless, that's being worked on. The five kittens uh, from Ming, Ming Ming have not been named yet. Uh, today was a bath day. I actually watched them. I was on the Skype here. Not Skype, actually. It was uh, uh, Messenger. And watching them all get baths. And my two white cats, Wiley and Wanda, they were like, she's complaining, you're dirty, you gotta take a bath. So anyways, it was kind of cute watching them all take baths. They didn't all, they didn't stress out too much. To be honest with you, she's got a good handle on what she's doing there. She's kind of like holds their high, their front legs, squeezing them together real tight, picks them up to where they're basically on their tiptoes and their hind feet, and then gives them a bath and just kind of gets them going and they like it. I don't think they really like it. I was looking, they don't like it that much, but I think they do like being clean. And they do like being cool. And what's really interesting is that the neighbors think we're crazy. They actually think we're crazy here uh, because 
they just do because we wash our cats. But they also are very happy because they know our cats are well taken care of. And so nobody complains too much about because I got too many cats now, man. I started with three and I'm up to 13. This is too many. Anyways, that's the ITIL Cat Report again. It's probably sponsored by uh, nobody. <laughs> it's actually by nobody. Uh, let's see here. The Oive moment. Let me see if I can get you an Oive moment. What happened is I've been doing a lot of editing here for a new project, and so I don't have my Oive moment has disappeared. I don't know where I saved it, so I don't know where the heck my Oive moment is, but the Oive moment is sponsored by... Uh, the Andrew Carrington Hitchcock show, the ACH show with Andrew Carrington. I'm not sure how he's, how he's branding that now. Um, and of course his book, Synagogue of Satan, revised, edited, and something. I don't know your tagline, dude. I got that on my thing. Uh, but nonetheless, you can check it out at andrewcarringtonhitchcock.com. That's andrewcarringtonhitchcock.com. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go over to the UK for this. Here's something of interest. If people don't know what's happening, the UK is essentially the the testing ground for Jewish control of political discourse. And what they're doing is they use various non-profits. These are totalitarian-type-minded people that have no respect for Western civilization, no respect for... Uh, really any values of Western civilization. And one of the big ones out there is known as the Campaign Against Anti-Semitism. They seem to be getting a lot of the play out there, uh, meaning the, the play meaning, I don't know, the actions taken against people. But here's the thing. The New Labor Party is headed up by a guy by the name of, what's his name? What's his name? Starts with a K. Where the heck is it? You would think you guys would have it. You just talk, oh, Kerr Starmer. K-E-I-R Starmer, who I believe is probably Jewish. Don't quote me on that. But Kerr Starmer is basically the guy that handled the cover-up of a lot of the pedophile investigations in the UK. So essentially what the Jewish community has done is cited and backed a guy who is covering for the pedophilia investigations that went on for quite some time now in the UK. So essentially, think about it. The Jewish community is saying we sponsor or support those who hide the molestation of children. And that's a pretty damning thing to have to say about a a group like Jews. But it's not, because if you read their Talmud, you know, people talk about Muhammad this, Muhammad that. Well, read your Talmud. You know, the big danger we have are Jews in in so many positions of authority in our countries. And read your Talmud. Jews think that having children with people under three years old is A-OK as long as it's not Jewish. What type of sick people are these people? And why haven't the Jewish community made massive um, protest about this within their midst? Are we to believe that Jews believe the Talmud and the Talmud is sacred? I would guess the Jews do. I think that we really have to assume at some layer of Jewish political power and clout 
that the destruction of non-Jewish children is a preferred way to advance Jewish spiritual progression. It's the Fetch, everybody. Inside the Eye Live Prime Time. Back with more after this. All right, everybody. Welcome back. It's Fetch Inside the Eye Live, and it's prime time. Thursday, May twenty-one, two thousand twenty. It's uh, just after two o'clock in the morning locally here in Riyadh, and it's hot. I'm swe- I'm actually sweating. It's very, very hot uh, here in my house. I'm not sure exactly what the temperatures are, but it's very, very hot. I just feel hot. I can't turn the air conditioning on because it's literally right above my head. And I don't think you guys want to hear that. You know, going into the last hour, but first, where do I want to start? I think I want to go back to the, this uh, issue regarding this attack and assault on the United States and the West. Because that's what this coronavirus thing has been about from day one. <clears throat> it's essentially an assault on American civil liberties. And it's very clear at this stage that that's what has been in play all along. You know, what they did is they told us first, you know, you need to go into 14 days just to flatten the curve. We did that. Everybody did that. Uh, After 14, they extended to 30 days. After 30 days, they extended another 30 days. Now we're three and a half, almost three, really almost three months into this thing. And they are still, still not able to solve anything relative to freeing up the country to some degree. I heard something, Cuomo, the other day talking about all the sports teams. It's very important to get sports teams back because I'm like, okay, what do you mean get the sports teams back? We need to be back open for business. You know why Cuomo wants the sports teams back in business? Same with Governor Newsom. You know why? Because if you actually play a sport in that town or in New York, you get taxed at New York's rate. So if you were to play a baseball game in Yankee Stadium, for instance, and you take a high-powered club like, let's say, the Dodgers and the Yankees, each with $220 million worth of salary, well, how much money are they going to make on that particular game? Same as Los Angeles, same as San Francisco, same as really down in Texas. Yeah, they want the sporting events back, but they don't want the fans to come. Well, it's like, okay, to me, if I'm a fan, seriously, if I'm a fan, I tell baseball, and I tell basket. I don't care about basketball. It's just, it's just hood thug game to me. <clears throat> it's not the original basketball. Uh, but anyways, you go back to uh, the PGA's opening, for instance. Okay, golf. Okay, fine. You want to go out and golf? That's fine. Uh, I've never been. I've been offered to go to one PGA event. I never went. Uh, but nonetheless, you look at all of these events, guys. If the fans aren't there, who cares? Honestly, I go for the fans. I don't go to watch the game. I go for the ambience of the whole environment to be surrounded by the fans, to to feel the energy. Who's going to go where you got about one sixth of the capacity, one third of the capacity? Who cares? Why bother? Seriously, why bother? Yeah, you're going to get great seats, I guess, if you don't social distance because half the seats are going to be empty. But nonetheless, you know what I mean? Why bother? There's a lot of baseball players out there that make minimum wage, you know. Relatively speaking, they're not making all that much money either, relatively speaking. Uh, look at hockey, same thing. You know, a lot of these sports guys at the very bottom end, it's a, you know, you make your money, but you may not be around tomorrow. You're not making millions. There's a lot of millionaires out there, of course. We hear about those. And they can provide, they can sit it out all they want. But as far as I'm concerned, the players should just get together and say, no, when you guys figure it all out, we'll come back. Until you figure it out, we're not going to come back. 
and force because it's going what it will do it will force the states to move. There's no reason to move as long as the states are going to get a bailed out or b get tax revenues from things of this nature. There's no point to it. Hey, look, the mom and pops, we need to open up. Everybody needs to open their stores. That's okay. And I think it's very unfair, too, looking at what they did here. Bezos, Jewish, his net assets, his net worth goes up $30 billion. Home Depot, another Jewish-owned company, uh, again, huge amounts of money made on this. Costco, I'm not sure if that's Jewish or not. I don't know about that one. But I know for sure Home Depot is. I know for sure Amazon, you know what happens if we really look at where the money was funneled? It's pretty pathetic, guys, but it appears that Jewish organizations, by and large, were funneled the lion's share of the money that was floating in these various lockdowns. And Jews want to complain that, oh, well, we're being blamed. Well, as an aggregate group, I actually don't see that. You know, I see a lot of complaints in the Jewish community because I read their various periodicals, you know, and I see all these complaints about how, oh, we Jews are being scapegoated for the spread of the coronavirus. Honestly, I'm not seeing that. Guys, I'm researching so many hundreds of pages a day, quite frankly, probably at least 70, 80, 100 a day. I don't see that. I don't see where people are blaming Jews for this thing. But I do find it curious that Jews are not complaining to us about Jewish companies like Costco, not Costco, but uh, Lowe's. I don't know. Lowe's is probably Jewish. Uh, but for sure, for sure, again, Home Depot is Jewish. Amazon.com, uh, again, Jewish ownership there. They've made many tens, even dozens of billions of dollars on this coronavirus thing. How is that fair to everybody losing their jobs out there? Think about it. But see, you guys don't want to look at it from a Jewish angle. You don't want to look at it from the fact that there's just a lot of people out there in government. They don't like you. They want to see you destroyed. They want to see your life completely immersed. They want to flood your country with as much crap as they can because you won't have money and they can make and take advantage of everybody. You know, in Ohio, they sued, uh, the, they had like, I think 35, um, gyms sued the government, mainly the center for their health official there, regarding her ruling. It was her ruling that stated that uh, all non-essential businesses had to close. Well, who is she? Who is she to decide for the American people, at least in Ohio, who is essential, who isn't? I'll tell you that what this this type of unilateral oh I'm I'm in charge now and I say this is what is who was she now she we should study the damages like Whitmer was saying witless Whitmer we should study the damages and we need to hold these people personally liable that woman should not be able to escape with even a shirt on her back we might let her keep her bra she should not be allowed to survive this affair with one penny in her name. She should be put on complete, I'm talking about a complete destruction of her economic ability for now and on into the future, plus prison time if necessary. This should be ruthless, guys. Again, ruthless. If you're going to tell me that 
making a decision that shuts down 70%, 80% of the businesses in your state with a, with a, a goal really of destroying the economy, funneling money into Jewish owned properties. If you don't think that's pretty dastardly and sick, you're missing the point of what's going on here. This was never about a virus. It has always been about how much control can we impose on you, the American people? How much are you willing to put up with? And then what will be the repercussions after it is all said and done? Now, in Ohio, the judge now, a judge has come down and ruled just today. I believe it's today. Maybe it was yesterday, but I believe it's today. Um, that the lockdowns were completely illegal. The lockdowns, get this, were illegal. She was acting now as basically a thug. She is nothing but a thug. And don't let her be anything more than a thug. It was filed by... Uh, filed by the 1851 Center for Constitutional Law on behalf of 35 gyms, Lake County Court of Common Pleas Judge Eugene Lucci and joined Ohio Department of Health Director Amy Acton from penalizing the plaintiffs or similar businesses for violating the lockdown, providing they cooperate or no, they operate in a compliance with all applicable safety regulations. Now, according to the ruling here, Ohio's lockdown does not meet the legal requirements for isolation. And these are things that have to be very clear because they're going to go out and attack how these things are written so that next time they can get away with it. And you must be very, very vigilant now moving forward. It says here, an isolation is defined as the separation of an infected individual from others during the period of disease communicability or a quarantine, which is defined as the restriction of the movements or activities of a well individual or animal who has been exposed to a communicable disease during the period of communicability of that disease. A quarantine is supposed to last only as long as the usual incubation period of the disease, which can be anywhere between 2 to 14 days. Now, under these conditions, how do these health officials get off telling the American people that they cannot leave their homes, that they are basically under house arrest for months on end? How do they get away with that? They shouldn't. They should be held to account now, in this particular case, Acton purported to criminalize, essentially she's making her own laws, guys. She was going to criminalize a wide range of previously legal conduct, threatening violators with $750 fines and up to 90 days in jail. Now, since she's willing to put you in jail, why should you not be willing to put her in jail to the extent to which she tried to cause damage to you? Now, if she wants to put you, an individual, in jail for 90 days, plus take money off of your family's table, why should you not be mad enough, angry enough, focused enough to make sure you take money and food off of her table? 
Why shouldn't you make sure that her liberties are completely canceled now? She is the one that violated the law, not you. And here's the thing. Americans have got to stop being so nice and polite here. You are against, obviously, a very vicious, vile, disgusting, and evil enemy here. They don't have any respect for you. They don't have respect for our traditions. They don't have respect for your rights. They certainly don't have respect for the country. This is all about a power grab using a fake, it's not fake fake, but it's got a 99.5% survival rate. Now again, you tell me you're going to shut down your entire country over something that 99.5% of the people are going to survive? Are you okay? Really, are you okay? Do you really get what's going on here? Now these misdemeanors, they're saying here, penalties are legally authorized only for people who violate orders that fit the health department's statutory powers, which means you have to basically be sick. And now you know the purpose of contact tracing. Because by doing the contact tracing, if they know somebody is sick, they can now use this contact tracing to say, hey, you were associated with this person, now you must be quarantined for 14 days. There's nothing wrong with you at all. But they want to be able to say, hey, you were within 25 feet of this person. See, we got the phone data right here. You social distance for us, okay? So now we knew this was you. Because you social distance by more than six feet. We know for a fact, because our technology is certified, probably, it's going to probably be certified. To do, to do legal things, you're going to have to have some type of certification. So they know it's you. So there's, you may not have had anything to do with this person. You really weren't in close contact with them. But you know what? Our phone records show that you were very close to this person. And this person, we know for a fact, is sick. So now you must go into the 14-day quarantine. That's contact tracing, guys. That's what they want to do with this. So you cannot go out anymore if you are smart with your phone simply available for phone calls. You should put it in a Faraday cage. Block it. Make sure that it doesn't send signals out. When you need to use it, you take it out of its its protective lining and then you use the phone. And then you put it right back. This way you cannot be traced. This is what the government, these tyrants in government, are forcing you to start to think about. These are becoming very, very serious issues now. Now, I've written probably three articles over at Inside the Eye Live. One of those talks about this removal of various health officials. Rachel Levine. Do you really think Rachel Levine should be like this exalted health official that tells every single person inside of Pennsylvania that they can't leave their house? And do you really think this freaking transgender Jew, I'm being polite here, should be able to get away without any repercussions for the crimes he's committed to you? Again, at some point, guys, these people must be removed. In the case of Acton in Ohio, she was appointed by, or she was, yeah, the, the Democratic, she is, let's put it this way, she's a political Democratic, she's a Democratic political activist, okay? She was a fundraiser, a part-time doctor, part-time doctor, guys, as executive director of the Ohio Department of Health. 
and she had licensing and oversight authority over abortion facilities. Her main deal here, guys, was to ensure late-term near-birth abortions. She is a very sick human being. And she's going to tell you that you can't leave your house, but she's going to tell someone looking for a late-birth late abortion to go ahead and come to this facility because she licenses them. She was also working with the Obama administration. Not working with, but she was supporting the Obama administration. Nobody had voted for her. Nobody asked her to come in and make these decisions for you. Basically, Ohio Governor DeWine brought her in. Now, if you're not seeing here is that the power of the health officials have to be absolutely gutted. And in times of emergencies, you need to have the ability to remove them instantly. They want to talk about mail-in votings? Maybe we need a way to get them instantly removed through very firm, kind of like your bank account. I don't think you're worried about your bank, right? Same thing for voting here. We need some type of very strong encrypted system that allows people perhaps to vote online to get rid of people today, today, today. No, we disagree with this. Get rid of this woman today. Fire, take away her salary, cut her now. If you want the job under these terms, okay. Otherwise, don't take the job. That's kind of how it should be. I'm just throwing some ideas out there, guys. I don't have a solution, but this is the issue. Now, if we go over to Wisconsin, Secretary Designee Andrea Palm, this is according to Senator, he just won the election, Senator, oh man, I don't have the Senator Cotton, I think Cotton or something like that. It didn't, I didn't transpose it all. Anyways, uh, new senator over there. Senator, Secretary Designee, this is his statement. Secretary Designee Andrea Palm must immediately resign from her appointment as Wisconsin Department of Health Services Secretary. This is what I'm talking about. The recent Supreme Court ruling confirmed that Ms. Palm's power grab exceeded her authority. Her shotgun approach to lock down Wisconsin has produced disastrous consequences. Wisconsin's economy and healthcare system are collapsing. Small businesses are closing their doors for good. Tens of thousands of people are struggling to apply for unemployment in an attempt to survive the storm she caused. She caused. Quoting here further, new data shows us how we can make a targeted response to the Wuhan virus, but Ms. Palm will hear none of it. A native of New Yorker. She's not even a native of Wisconsin. But Miss Palm will hear, uh, here, a native New Yorker ally of Hillary Clinton. Isn't that interesting? And Washington DC insider. Isn't that interesting equally? Miss Palm understands very little of our Midwestern values or how her decisions have devastated our way of life. Ms. Palm came here as Governor Evers' hired gun, and she will leave with Wisconsin's corpse if she continues. This is what I'm saying, guys. You must come up with ways and be ruthless in rooting out these health officials. Here's this hired gun brought in from New York that is a Hillary acolyte, and she's basically directing the economy of Wisconsin based on a virus that there's a 99.95% success rate or or uh, survival rate, especially when you're healthy? 
Heck, you might even get it and not even know this darn thing. If you get it, it's terrible. But a lot of things are going to be terrible. So is cancer. So is dying in a car crash. There are no guarantees to life on planet Earth, guys. This idea that you're going to keep everybody safe forever is absurd. The best way to keep yourself safe is to basically boost your immune system and not rely on these idiots in the medical profession, like those who are pushing for mandatory vaccines. It's not needed. It's absolutely not needed. These people are trying to kill you with vaccines. Now imagine, she's out there, her most recently held, this is the gal up in the, uh, Wisconsin, most recently held a series of roles within the Federal Department of Health and Human Services under the length of then-President Obama's two terms in office. She's an Obamaite. She went to Wisconsin, but she basically is an acolyte of Hillary Obama cl- uh, clan there. She also previously worked in Congress, including for then U.S. Senator Hillary Clinton. She's a longtime activist, guys. Now you go to Wisconsin, not to Wisconsin, to Oregon. I don't have the guy's name. I, I wrote this, the article. I just don't forget his name. He also worked for Obama. So what are you going to find here? Guys, if you start to go through every single health, public health official, you're going to find that we have a takeover of our government by, it's a coup d'etat. We are dealing with a treasonous coup d'etat. Guys, they destroyed the country. They destroyed the country based on illegal action. Unlawful action. Uh, let me see if I can find a, a I want to give you a quote here. Uh, it's a U.S. legal it's a legal uh, mm, statute. And it reads this, 28, 18 U.S. Code, 72, no, 18 U.S. Code, 242, deprivation of rights under color of law. Before that, we're going to go out to the uh, nine five area code. Hi, welcome to Inside the Ally Prime Time. Hello, can yeah. you hear me? Yeah, you're coming through fine. Thanks. Oh, great. Um, it occurred to me. It occurred to me that if you watch everything that's going on, um, you know how they say that when people are scared. They make bad decisions. Yep. Like, in other words, fear is, like some people say, fear is the virus. Um, when you look at the sequence of how absurd uh, these, this onslaught against the whole world, I mean, it doesn't really make any sense. I mean, unless you're watching television all the time and you're kind of paralyzed with you know the fear porn that they're putting out. If you're not watching that and you're a reasonable, logical person, you almost can't believe some of the, the the absurd and silly things that are happening. You know, stuff that Fauci says. They come out, that guy Neil Ferguson comes out with this phenomenal model. Then it doesn't work out. Then he ratchets it down. And that doesn't work. He ratchets it down. I mean, the whole thing is so silly that it occurred to me that what we're actually witnessing is they are suffering from absolute fear. And as a result, they're making an incredibly stupid gauche, 
nonsensical decisions, and they're hoping they can pass it on us in absolute desperation. Uh, interesting take, and it may actually be true, because what we're seeing doesn't make sense. And, and But the point now is not so much that whether it makes sense or not, we need to counterattack. And I'm talking about taking people out of these positions, gutting the whole thing. I keep looking, honestly, yep. this is, is, what's your name again, Tom? Yeah. Tom, okay, we're going to have a guest coming in. I'll hold you over. We'll get you get one more minute if you'd like to stay. Um, okay. Up to you. And then uh, we're going to bring in Monica Schaefer, bottom of the hour here. Back with more, everybody, right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back. We're not going to do any bumper music because we've got a call out uh, in Florida. Uh, and then we're going to have Monica Schaefer coming on for about 20 minutes to close out uh, the show just to talk about well, some of her activities at opening up a park. <laughs> you know, Believe it or not, something as simple as that. But just small actions it's going to take by everybody, really, to break this spell and get people back to some sense of normalcy. Nobody likes this new idea of a new normal. Uh, again, out to Florida. Hi, welcome back. Uh, yes. Uh, to reiterate, I think what we might be witnessing is some people that are operating under under fear beyond, you know, is, as, as you know, people make bad decisions under fear. And you know what they say about the tribe uh, even under normal conditions, they never have any sense of proportion, and they never have mm-hmm. any sense of timing. Now, he put on to that genetic predisposition with the fact that now they've really been caught. The Great Awakening is occurring. Um, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, America, you know, the great social experiment, we were born in a bloody revolution. That's how we got here, and we're a unique idea in freedom. Um, if just one state was to basically get a hold of their governor, try them on treason, and give them a very severe penalty, like a severe uh, a prison term. I personally think it would catch on to the other states, and the whole world's watching us. I do think it would be a shot fired around the world that would give the uh, the courage to the rest of the countries to, to stand up just like us. You know, here's the interesting point about that. That's actually a very good point, and I'm all for it. You know, we see this, believe it or not, happening all over the world, but not in America. We know, like in Saudi, when they took out those 440 princes and business uh, scions here, that was anti-corruption. There was a lot of crap these people were doing, a lot. They were basically stealing from the kingdom left and right, okay? That's a takedown. We know, even though people aren't friends of uh, China right now, um, the current leadership has been massively targeting corruption within their government circles. Massive, including putting people to death over there. Uh, obviously, we saw what Putin did, you know, to the oligarchs uh, a decade ago. So it's time for America to do it. Seriously, it's time. Why is it that the, actually we're, we're not even leading anymore? Other countries are doing a better job than we are in dealing with corruption. And then look at the Obamagate affair. Well, we're the, we're the country that's the only country left that has any teeth because of our Second Amendment. And it's our heritage. We were born in a bloody revolution, and it's time for us to step up to the plate. And Agreed. I do think one of the, the, the thing, the linchpin would be, hey, we're going to take a very high official like a governor, we're going to show him the law. He can't plead ignorance of the law. 
give them some jail time, some serious jail time, and then hopefully they'll catch on. And like I say, perhaps that would spread worldwide. Uh, I would love to see it. Jail time and obviously complete forfeiture of every single penny they got. They had no problem taking all the pennies from everybody else. Just just destroy them. And send a it message. Would put you, the fear, absolutely. It would put the fear in any any other official down the road, which would be one of us, because we always talk about them. No, the government should be us. An average guy should become the governor. An average guy should become the attorney general. We should be in all those positions, but with the understanding that, boy, don't screw up. <laughs> Stick to your oath of office, and everything's going to be fine. Agree. And it's so simple. We have we have all the traditions and laws in place to have a great society, but nobody wants to follow them, at least those in power. All there for all, all there on a silver platter for us to take. All we got to do is the machine set up. All we got to do is reach out and turn the crank. Agree. No, I agree. I think that's how we got to keep framing this moving forward. All right. Thanks for the call. I got to run out. Let me get Monica on the air here. Thanks again. Welcome to callback. Okay. All right. Thanks again. All right, everybody. We're going to now try to ring up Monica Schaefer out in Canada. And it should be ringing now. And uh, it's still ringing. I can't have two calls at one time. That's why I got to wait. <clears throat> and Monica is now joining us from somewhere up in Canada. Hi, Monica. Welcome back to Inside the Eye Live Primetime. Hello, Dennis. Thanks so much for calling. How's the sound, first of all? I'm hearing an echo on my end. Well, you know, people complain to me about echoes all the time, and i got to turn you down. How about that? Try it again. Yeah, and I've got my headphones on, so should be okay. Now I don't hear the echo anymore, so that's oh, better. Okay, good. I've turned you down on my side. I think it comes from my headphones into the microphone. Uh, so anyways, welcome back, Monica. Monica made famous by basically traveling to Germany and getting introduced to German court systems. And uh, welcome back to the West, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> German court systems and, and the gulag and... Yeah, how about giving us an update on Alfred, first of all? What's happening with you guys well, and the family? Yeah, I still hear that echo, Dennis. Okay, try again. Yeah, okay, so Alfred's been moved to another prison. I'm not sure if we spoke since then. That was November. But there's still an echo. I don't know. Should I be doing something different here? I've got the, the headphones on. I'm uh, not sure what else I can do. I don't know. I've got everything reduced down to nothing. Try again. Yeah, okay. I wonder, should I be turning down my volume? Uh, maybe. It's better now. Okay, I've turned you yeah. way down. I'll fix it in the editing later. Yeah, okay, thanks. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Alfred is writing letters out of that prison very high spirits. He is absolutely indomitable and, you know, always is seeing the the bright side of everything. He does not see this as a, you know, doom and gloom scenario. He sees that, well, even this corona thing now and his sense of humor is wonderful. He put an advertisement on the back of his latest letter, which is a corona mask with the you know, those six letters of Corona down vertical and then the, the numbers that it all adds up and at the bottom it adds up to 666 and he's got the little picture and, and he's, you know, got the orders in to produce these en masse. I mean, he, he, his sense of humor, he, he, he never loses it, right? He's putting this on the outside of the envelope for the world to see in the postal system. And yeah, his spirit is wonderful. He says 
everybody there is waking up. I, I know that prison population tends to wake up faster than the general population. That's That was my experience in prison. At least the, the white folks there, which is only about 10% of the prison population. And, you know, he does say it feels like he's in a prison in Africa with German staff. So that's the, the scenario there, but that's kind of a welcome to the future world that he sees. It. He's, he also said when he got moved to that prison, it, it perhaps his steel needed to be hardened, you know, like a sword being hardened in fire because he was being put in a situation that was absolutely like the the tip of the war zone there in that prison. It it really is like he's at the, the spear end of the war zone and you know, if this doesn't uh, harden somebody's metal and resolve that we better get this right, then nothing will, you know, because he is seeing what is coming down the, the, the tubes for us. So <laughs> that's in a nutshell. You know, in spite of all that, he, he's in fantastic spirits. And if people want to write him a letter, they can find that his address on my website at freespeechmonica.wordpress.com, and it's right at the top there. You'll you'll find his address. Yeah, so that's that's the situation with Alfred. I don't know if I told you, Dennis, that that he was given more jail time for uh, just for the things he said and did in court in our trial in 2018. That is, you know, so he went through another trial last year in 2019 and they added time to his already ridiculous sentence just for speaking, you know, being a political prisoner and just for things that he said in his defense. So people need to really think about that. What that means is that there you are, you're in front of the judge for having done wrong speak. And then you get more jail time for having tried to explain how you reach your conclusions in your first trial and for bringing evidence that would support your conclusions. Well, instead of weighing the evidence and then passing judgment on that, they give you more jail time. This is the situation that we have. I I really don't understand how Germans in Germany as a nation can accept this type of absurdity. You know, I, I just don't see how they can accept it because it's so patently dishonest and unfair that it, it just, it, it, it abuses the Germans. It, it abuses not just Germans and Germany as a nation, but really all of us who follow Western values. It's like, what are you guys doing? It is, Dennis. It, it does abuse or anybody's sense of justice and fairness and what's right. And I think that the Germans have a particularly strong sense of that, what's fair and just. But the thing is, they don't know. Most people just don't know that that is how it is in the court system. They don't tell you that. They don't teach the children in school that that's how the system works. They don't tell you that in the mainstream media. No, if they ever say anything about people like Alfred or myself, it's always that we are painted in the most evil light, you see. And the other thing about it is in Germany, the people, they think they have total freedom of speech. When I was in prison, I would tell other prisoners that I was there because I spoke the wrong words. I spoke forbidden things, and they would say, oh, no, 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 that's not possible. We have total freedom of speech. Then, when I told them what the topic was, 
about the Holocaust, they said, oh, oh, that's different. That's different. <laughs> we have total freedom of speech, but when it comes to the Holocaust, that's different. And that's, at first, you know, they think that's okay or that's good. That's how my relatives responded to it. In the prison population, most of them came to see very quickly that there was something deeply, deeply wrong with that. Mm. How about, uh, have you had any contacts with anybody in in Germany at large relative to the coronavirus? I know there have been a lot of protests going on. Uh, yes. People are kind of waking up, and this is a good thing re- relative to this virus. Uh, what have you got to report on that? Oh, yes. Actually, I would say that anybody who is awake about the other deceptions in that are going on, especially if they're awake about World War II history, these are the people that immediately can recognize that this coronavirus is just one giant scam-demic, a, a plan-demic. And I did listen uh, in the last half hour, and your your last caller before the bottom of the hour, Tom, I really liked his message that they are afraid, and this is why they're pulling out all the stops so, so ridiculously, insanely, uh, just, I mean, the measures they are pulling on us are so obviously ludicrous that anybody that still has uh, some sense of logic remaining in their brains, you know, if they haven't been totally zombified by the, the, you know, the, 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 U, the YouTube, the, the television, the devil vision, I should say, then, then they can just see it right away that there's something wrong with this picture. It doesn't make any sense at all. So anyway, I did enjoy his his um, that message that he brought forth that they are very afraid of us. They're afraid of losing the the narrative, and that actually should give us hope. And we have to resist. And speaking of resistance, I would love to share with you yes. some stories from the local area here. Yes. I mean, here here I am in the beautiful Robson Valley in British Columbia, in Canada, and. <clears throat> I know you, you were checking in with me after you saw the little story that I shared on Facebook in our a small village nearby, McBride. I, I was really tired of seeing the, the playground, the children's playground, have this warning tape on it. It looks like a crime scene there, and it made – well, I, I should have ripped it down weeks ago. But anyway, we went the other day. Um, three of us and tore down the tape. Well, one guy was, was filming, although most of his video didn't turn out. And that the only video he ended up with is, was just afterwards. And, and that's the one I uh, shared. But what happened to, we had a little bit of a, uh, altercation there with the, the police. Um, my man, Frank Frost here, he, he ended up in a tussle with them. They kept him in their police car for over an hour, but they did release him. They did not arrest him. And I mean, he actually is pretty clear about, you know, his sovereignty and that they, they cannot arrest him and he doesn't consent. I mean, it was, you know, they had a big discussion in the, in the vehicle. Meanwhile, I was outside and, We'd already ripped down all the tape, and then I had played my violin in between, and then I, you know, in between uh, giving my rants to the anybody who would listen, including to the the uh, RCMP there and, and the bylaw officer. And I'm telling you, the bylaw officer is trying to impress upon me that, oh, you know someone that died of this, of COVID. 
And in Jasper, where I used to live, you know, and you know somebody, and he named the name Harry Holmes. And I mean, this man is an old man who's been walking around with oxygen tube up his nose for the last several years, barely hanging on to life for several years. And 86 year old, and this guy is trying to tell me he died of COVID. And I'm, and I point at the playground and I say, and and that has something to do with this here? Like, excuse me. (laughs) Anyway, we, we, did our little civil disobedience there. And that, that was a lot of fun. That was good. And I, we share these stories to let people know that there is resistance and plus to inspire others to do things like this as well and not to consent and not to obey. Everybody's obeying their way into total enslavement. You know, I want to tell you another great story. It's in the next door neighbor town named Valemont. Belmont, um, there's a group of musicians who have been playing in the seniors' home there for years and years and years, volunteering their time every week for years. Anyway, so this COVID shutdown comes along and nobody can go in there and play music anymore. Well, a couple of weeks ago by now, on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, this fellow, Ken Abernathy, he just turned 85, and one of his bandmates, another one of them is 85, and another one is 80. These guys are old-timers who have been playing together for 50 years. Anyway, they set up on the lawn, and the people come out with, with lawn chairs. They're putting them, you know, six feet apart, doing all this silly social distancing thing but anyway that's what they're doing they're they're listening to the music outside well guess what uh quote unquote concerned citizen called the police now thankfully the police um had their you know at least they had some sense and they said well nothing wrong here but that you know who the person was i found out later who it was that called the police it was the manager of this seniors home Imagine that, Dennis. They've been playing there, volunteering, playing for these people that live in this senior's residence for years and years and years. Then they can't. So, they, you know, everybody's just craving to have some kind of, um, you know, reprieve from this absolute insane lockdown. They play outside. The people are sitting. They're actually, you know, sort of obeying the rules of social distancing, that crazy thing anyway. But and then this manager calls the police. I mean, has the manager has the manager been invited to find a new job? Because obviously they should. They that, yeah. seriously, that manager should be invited to find a new job because it's simply unacceptable. We don't trust you anymore. Please, we don't want you here. Absolutely. No, no telling absolutely. what you're gonna do. Well, that's the first words out of my mouth. She should absolutely be fired. I mean, is that how much she cares about the well-being of the the residents of the the seniors' home where she is, you know, the manager of? Like, is yeah, that, I mean, she, she's she's getting paid by these people, and she's gonna tell them what to do. And, and she's, I mean, she's taken a total leave of her senses. That, that's a total slave. She's a total slave already. And yeah, absolute. I mean, on any level, that is complete insanity. I would certainly. If I, I, I would get all the families together and say, no, you get rid of this woman yeah. now. I, this is yes. not the way to work. We pay her salary. Yeah. She doesn't tell us what to do. And if we want to have and people here, it's our business. That's right. I'm, I'm going to do my utmost to, you know, talk to folks, whoever I can, to see that that be done. 
I mean, that just leaves me speechless. I, I just really am having a hard time to, to come to terms with that. So anyway, but I loved Ken Abernathy's attitude, what, what the, he was reported in the paper, you know, he said, Oh yeah, I, I mean, I didn't organize it, but I, I certainly went there to do it. So I guess that makes me an accomplice and I would do it again. Even if it means I go to jail, I would do it again. <laughs> So how how is your area in Canada dealing with all of this COVID nonsense? How is everyone dealing? Yeah, how are how's everyone dealing? Are they pretty much thinking it's a scam now and they're tired, or they kind of believe it? What's the general tone you get? It's very polarized. It's so polarized. You know, you've got your scared people walking around with masks, and I think it's worse in some places than other places. Right now, around here, I'm not seeing too many masks anymore. There were more before. I think that people have actually kind of been shamed into shedding them. There are a lot of people and we're being very vocal about it. And I think I think one can shame people into, you know, like shed your fear, shed those masks. They're dangerous for your health anyway, by the way, you know. And, um, but, you know, I, I, I'm hearing from other people in other places that, that they go into a big store and everybody's got their masks on. And certainly the government is w- rolling it out. Like, I mean, they are rolling it out. The, the um, what do they call her? The chief medical officer of Canada. I think her name is Tan or something like that. She's talking about bringing in legislation that people can be uh, uh, pulled from their homes, like rounded up out of yes. their homes if they refuse vaccination. Yeah, Monica. And they're also talking. Monica, I'm saying, yeah, these types of people, uh, this is where the tyranny is coming from. The people really need to focus on getting rid of these people. Getting them out of office. Yes. These are these are people that are dangerous to their futures. Absolutely. They they pretend to have authority over us. They have zero authority over us. These people are either themselves total and utter criminals or they're answering to criminals. And what I've been doing as much as possible and, and encouraging others to do this is talk to people at all levels. Like I've been I've talked to the mayor here in this little town and spend over an hour with him trying to impress upon him that first of all this whole thing is a scam and I've given him lots of information that he can do the research and find that out for himself if he doesn't already know but see they always say oh well we're following orders from the health authorities and I try to explain to him you're following orders from people who do not have our best interests at heart and they are criminals at the top and these health authorities they are themselves puppets to a regime that wants to destroy us. And what will your children and grandchildren say to you from, you know, speaking from the future and back to 2020, and we're talking about a future where the boot is across the neck and your every move is controlled. You even have to ask permission to go to the back say to you, ma or pa or grandma or grandpa, what did you do in 2020? And you'll have to answer I obeyed. I obeyed the authorities. Well, your children and grandchildren are not going to be very happy with that. This is what it looks like, folks. And we absolutely have to disobey and take back our world and take back our freedom and stop obeying. And actually, just today, another little adventure, we were burning, uh, we're clearing some land and it was a perfect day to do, to burn a pile of 
of um you know the bush pile here on our on our land because it rained all night and it rained this morning and then it was just a perfect breeze so we started a fire well sure enough they come around this is the second time because it happened a few weeks ago that they came around to you know try to give us a big whopping ticket for this because there's a fire ban and why is there a fire ban it has nothing to do with fire hazard it has to do with covid and so we explained to these people very nicely that First of all, they have no authority over us. And yes, we were very aware that they have some kind of rules. But whether we are, we're aware or not, it does not matter. We will make that decision ourselves, whether it's safe or not to burn. And we made the decisions to do that. And, you know, we are sovereign over our own domain. You work for us. We're not uh, beholden to you. And you should be working for us. And we pointed out to them that they have not been working for us. For example, when we had a complaint about neighbors, you know, cutting trees on our land while I was in jail in Germany, and they basically came on the land here and and destroyed part of it. Well, when we reported that to these authorities, they did exactly nothing. You see, so they have given us our sovereignty. They have given me my sovereignty. And I am not going to get some kind of a permission form from them or a permit from them to, you know, burn a pile of brush. <laughs> mm. So, you know, people, we have to take back our world and don't be um, thinking that, that these people have authority over us. They do not. Indeed. And... With that, Monica, that was like a perfect ending there. So you couldn't have timed it any better because the show's over. Monica, thanks for coming on. Great little segment. Oh, you're so welcome, Dennis. Thanks. I'd love to come on again anytime. All right. Thanks. That's Monica Schaefer, everybody up in Canada. We're done. See you guys next week or Saturday. Good night, everybody. Saturday.